Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, June 19th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Facebook has revealed its plans for a new global digital currency, and banks and regulators respond. The FT reports that Nissan and Renault are quietly unwinding parts of their alliance, and the latest round of MP voting cuts the candidates in the UK Conservative Party leadership race down to five. Plus, the FT's Richard Waters explains what's in store for Slack as the cloud-based communications platform prepares to go public. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. On Wednesday, Facebook revealed its plans for a new global digital currency. Facebook says it'll be backed by a reserve of low-risk assets and that more than two dozen companies have come out in support of the project, including Visa, Lyft, and Spotify. But Facebook's new digital coin has also left a lot of questions open, such as how will this shake up traditional financial services and how will it be regulated? The FT's Laura Noonan has more. What we know about it so far is it's going to be called the Libra coin. It's not going to have a fixed value relative to any individual currency. Rather, it will have a value which will be linked to a handful of currencies. So the value is going to fluctuate and it's going to be overseen by a foundation which at the moment includes Facebook and around two dozen other industry participants. The other thing we can deduce from the releases so far is that the banking industry is taking a fairly cool view to it so far. There is not a single bank among the founding participants and talking to some of them, they're pretty sceptical about the levels of adoption this is going to see. So they think that because it's quite a complicated concept, because it's not going to have a firm value in terms of dollar, euro or any other currency, they think that it could be difficult to get people to use it and it could be difficult to get merchants to accept it. They're also concerned about the regulatory hurdles because cryptocurrency, a lot of regulators are fairly sceptical on that. There's also issues around how much work Facebook and their partners will need to do in terms of anti-money laundering regulation and know your customer regulations. So there's a lot of work to be done there. There are some financial firms participating, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Stripe, payments people are very much in there. I think for them, it's a relatively low risk play because the table stakes are only around $10 million. They're able to roll the dice now. Some of them have only been talking to Facebook for a couple of weeks on this. So even though they're in there, it's not clear that they're definitely very heavily in there and very committed. Everyone's saying this is at a very early stage. So I think while there's obviously a lot of excitement that Facebook have finally shown their hand here, I think people are stressing that this is at a very early stage. And just because Facebook has billions of users worldwide on its social media site doesn't necessarily mean those people also want to use Facebook as their primary or even one of their key ways to actually transfer money. The FT reports that Renault and Nissan are quietly unraveling several of their joint business functions as the carmaker's alliance begins to crumble. Several current and former employees talk to the FT about the state of affairs between the Japanese and French companies. They said that in the time following Carlos Ghosn's arrest, some departments that oversee joint functions within the Renault-Nissan-Mitsubishi alliance haven't received new work in months. Meanwhile, others are being axed completely. Mr. Ghosn was the former chairman of Nissan and the chief executive of Renault. And up until his arrest in November, he pressed for the alliance between the two car makers to be, quote, irreversible. But things have changed. The CEO office that oversaw the day-to-day running of the alliance functions is being disbanded. 
and other areas such as light commercial vehicles, sales and marketing, and communications are dwindling, even dismissing staff. Spokespeople for the alliance, as well as for Renault and Nissan, all declined to comment. The relationship between the two car makers has been strained since Mr. Ghosn's arrest late last year. The FT revealed that Renault said it would block governance reforms proposed by Nissan at its annual general meeting this month. And the UK Conservative Party leadership race is down to five candidates after the second round of voting by MPs. Former Brexit Secretary Dominic Robb was forced out of the race after failing to get the votes needed to advance to the next round. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson remains the clear frontrunner to replace Theresa May as Britain's prime minister. He received the backing of 126 of 313 Tory MPs. International Development Secretary Rory Stewart almost doubled his vote total from the first round, but he was still behind Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt and Environment Secretary Michael Gove. Home Secretary Sajid Javid received the fewest number of votes, scraping through with just 33. The five candidates took part in a televised debate last night, trading blows over whether to leave the EU on the October 31st deadline, with or without a deal. All five candidates ruled out the idea of a general election before Britain has left the European Union. And here's a closer look at a story we're following. On Thursday, yet another tech unicorn will be going public, adding to the long list of companies that have hit the market in 2019. This time, it's Slack, the cloud-based communications platform. But like the music streaming service Spotify, Slack isn't going to have a traditional IPO. Instead, it's going to directly list on the New York Stock Exchange. That means it's not issuing any new shares, and it doesn't have underwriters to stabilize its shares in early trading. The company, which is valued at almost $17 billion, started out as a messaging app, but it has since evolved. I think that what gives it its power is the fact that you can connect other things into it. That's Richard Waters, the West Coast editor for the Financial Times. As we all plug into more cloud applications to do our jobs, we're getting to rely on the output from all these systems. None of those systems connect to each other, and so it can make life quite complicated. What you can do with Slack is you can plug your application into that platform, and it means that you can see stuff being pushed out of your apps. When things happen, notifications get posted in Slack. So it starts to become the front end to a whole different way of working. So, Richard, Slack is going to do a direct listing just as Spotify did last year. Remind us, how does a direct listing differ from a traditional IPO? One very key thing to remember, I think, for all investors is that there are no lockups on existing investors. So under an IPO, only a certain number of shares can get sold. And so you often see these incredible spikes in the share price because demand is very high and you know the supply is very, very limited. With a direct listing like Slack, there is no limit on supply. So all existing shareholders can sell. So if demand is huge, and I think there will be a lot of demand for this listing, any investors can dump their stock immediately. So that could put a real lid on the price. It makes it a very interesting question because there's huge demand for IPOs on Wall Street, but we simply don't know how that's going to affect the Slack share price. So Richard, what's the pitch to would-be investors? So 
Slack's argument is we're a new type of software platform that businesses need to run on. And even though you know, Slack started out as a very narrowly defined market, if you like, it was used by other software developers who wanted to monitor their own internal projects and communicate with other people they work with. So it's very much a kind of inside the software industry product from its start. Their argument now is, look, this is something that could be used across all businesses. And so the thing that I think everyone is now going to be looking for is evidence that they're selling to many more big companies and governments. That's called the enterprise market in the software world. And that enterprise customer kind of number is the key indication for Slack. You know, it's been growing quite fast. They've been building a sales force to get out there and sell to these companies. And that's really the kind of key. You know, can they become a big enterprise software company against companies like Microsoft and Oracle and Google. What are investors cautious about when it comes to Slack, Richard? I think one concern about Slack is just the sheer volume of information that they're unleashing inside companies. You know, we all talk about collaboration and the importance of collaboration in companies these days and how we all achieve so much more together. Well, if you really knock down the barriers to communication, then everybody gets deluged. It's exactly what we've experienced in our social lives with social media. Impose that over a company and suddenly there's so much information, so much that's also being processed by the machines and the new intelligences, you know, the artificial intelligences that's being pumped out as well, that nobody can really keep up. So I think what Slack hasn't done yet is really develop the controls, the recommendation systems, the preference, the personalization, all the tools that you need to really manage this deluge of stuff. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following news from the Federal Reserve's June policy-setting meeting. Economists don't anticipate the U.S. Central Bank will cut interest rates at this meeting. Instead, they expect Fed Chairman Jay Powell to send signals about what might trigger a rate cut later in the year. It comes a day after European Central Bank President Mario Draghi said the ECB could launch a fresh expansion of its quantitative easing program. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. 